This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana Silversmiths. Well, welcome to episode number 79 of According to Flint. And I guess you'd say we're switching gears from the last few podcasts. I don't know. Maybe he's a bull rider. I don't know. Back in the day, but he is the 2014 world champion tie-down roper. 14 consecutive NFRs as of this year, Shane Hanchy. Can you, to make us feel like some of our past guests, do you have a bull riding story? Get on a couple yeah. ever? I love bull riding. I uh, I think you can ask Sage or any of them guys. If I get a chance, I'm back there behind the buck and shoots. And I, I ain't got as much ass to pull them Brazilian ropes, but I do, <laughs> I do, I do like to help them guys. And it, and it makes me feel good to, to see them do good you know yeah i spot you at the nfr you make the big circle around but i do it has crossed my mind you look down and there's will loomis bulldogger 260 getting, yeah getting his ass in it and then i'm like man whoever gets shane you must not need a real tight rope i don't know Dude, i tell you who i could pull for all day was chandler bounds i mean i would almost pull too much for him he liked a little slack in his rope um and I do pull for them guys occasionally, but I, I'm a pretty good spotter. I mean, I want to say, um, especially if they're good in the box. Yeah, yeah, I can <laughs> get some TV time. But, no, uh, see, my my uncle's road bulls. Uh, my uncle's got a stock contracting company down there in Louisiana, uh, amateur rodeos, college rodeos, high school rodeos. And uh, so, I mean, I've, I've been around bull riding, rough stock, you know, my whole life. And, uh, I just like to tell people I'm just a, a rodeo fan. I, I like every event. That's me. That's me. Well, that's why you and I can always visit. Every time we see each other, we have something that relates, whether it's to other sports or different events. And I tell people, even through my years of PBR, I'm just a rodeo guy. Like I, you know, when I go to the NFR, the bull riding is last and I kind of have to stay to watch it with all due respect to my friends in the bull riding there. But it's about, I wanted to be a bareback rider. I love the bulldog and I, yeah, every event it's uh, yeah. uh I'm a rodeo fan. I pulled somebody's rope one time, not real long ago. Flint, give me a pull. And man, listen, I I'm putting every, I'm breaking every vein. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm giving it to him wrapped around. And, th and they look at me like, it, I just, I can't do it. I, so, so I've given, I've given up on it. Yeah, I avoid it's helpless feeling. Yeah. Yeah. 14, 14 consecutive Wrangler national final rodeo national finals rodeos. 
Do you know what the record consecutive is? You got to be I, close, I, don't you? I don't know. I mean, I know Mike Johnson made it 23 times. I don't think that was all consecutive. Um, I think Blair and certainly Fred consecutively. Um, I haven't even even looked at it really, uh, Clint. I just literally try to take it one year at a time and, and, and try to get in that top five headed to Vegas and, and see what happens from there. Yeah. You are coming in number three, right? As of the I end of the year. Fourth, I think. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, I'm pretty sure fourth. Oh, wait, for yeah. The the guys ahead of you, Riley Webb, Chad Mayfield, Haven Medjid are ahead of yeah. you. So you're yeah. four. Um when I look at that and I looked at who was ahead of you, who was around you, this the the batch of tie-down ropers. That and for people who really kind of pay attention, those guys just talk about the guys ahead of you, Riley Webb, Shad Mayfield, Haven Medjit. Those guys are studs. I mean, and that's good. I mean, listen, they're ahead of you, you you rope against them, but it's cool to see young guys like that really starting to dominate and become that next batch of great tie down ropers. That's a good group of guys, yeah, really good. You've got two out of the three that's already world champions and and i mean if you're a betting man how can you not bet on riley to win his first gold buckle this year with the uh, the lead he's got and and the confidence he's got and that's what's funny man i mean i our class i say class i mean you know we had me tough schmidt Corey. i mean we had some roping dudes uh, that we roped against you know from the middle school age to now and, you know, that's a lot in the same with these guys. I mean, these guys have been roping against each other at the junior opens, the junior rodeos, you know, uh, forever. And to see them, like you said, elevate um, to this level, uh, this quick is, is awesome. And awesome. And it's a testament to, to you know, the younger uh, producing ropings out there, you know, because confidence is key in this deal. I mean, it's just like everything. It's all about repetition the more you do, the better you become at it. And and to see these guys and Hey, you got guys behind me that, that are in that age group too, that are, that are been kicking butt forever. So it, it's really neat to see. Yeah. Like Weston Hughes, he's not that old. We, we got acquainted with Weston when he was like 16, when the American deal came and he made it to semifinals. And uh, it's cool. How those guys, they're all in that same era. And I do think other sports are similar where, those guys come up all the way to the NBA or the NFL and they know who, who each other are. You know, we, we know who's out there. That's good. And those guys have been good a long time. Yeah, for sure. No, it's so, so eerily similar. I mean, you look at the golf deal. I mean, them guys being playing against each other, uh, the Ryder cup that just went on, they've been playing against each other since the junior Ryder cup days, you know? And so um, it's just really neat to see rodeo is, is, getting towards that echelon of, of field of row of sports. Yeah. I have a nephew that great nephew that uh, just signed at the university of Utah to play golf. One of the best golfers in the state anyway. And, and he knows he goes around the country in the summer to play in these tournaments. So he knows every 17 year old kid that's working his way up. It, it's mm -hmm. the same. It's funny to keep track of. Um, yeah. You you said up through junior high Haven, of course, being from Montana, he high school rodeoed more with Shelby, my oldest daughter. They were good friends, but up through junior high, Shad Mayfield, I interviewed him. Remember, I had the radio show on Rural Radio. 
outside the barrel radio show. I interviewed Shad at Des Moines at the junior high finals. I interviewed he and his sister. She's Shelby too, right? Yep. Sister, because they were winning the, the, uh, ribbon roping. And, uh, he was a good interview, even as a little kid. Now he won't come on any of my shows. See, I hope he's watching this. Like, come on. Yeah. He'll come. He'll come around. He'll come around. I think he, I get along good with him. And every time I say hello and visit, I'm like, dude, you got to come on my show and I'll, I'll keep after him. Yeah. Persistence. He's he's good that way. Right. Yeah. He's he's good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's funny right now we're talking about that group of guys, but I was trying to figure what I, I looked back at like the first year I went to the NFR was 1998. And that remember, remember that was the, that that's what made people stop going and taking a leak during the tie down rope. If you, you know, Cody and Fred and Joe and Brent Lewis and Blair Burke, and there was Ricky Canton. And I mean, you could name them. I think Rusty Seawalt was in there a while, but it became that became the event that everybody watched. I, I remember early when I first went to the NFR as a spectator, Kaffir opened would start and people start to go pee. Then pretty soon it changed. And it became that feature sport. That was quite a group that really, I think they're the ones that made it that way. Was that who you looked at when you were younger too? Oh, definitely. So so your first year was 98. So in 97, um, is when they broke the seven second barrier in round nine, you know, uh, I mean, I can replay that round vividly. Um, you know, Blair comes out there on the yellow calf and ties on the seven flat and, and Ronnie Hyde had set the arena record the night before going seven, two or something. Blair went seven flat, set the arena record two ropers later, maybe Fred comes in there. He's six, nine. He breaks the seven second barrier. Jeff Chapman comes in right behind Chapman. him. Chapman's goes, the one I couldn't think of. Yeah. And goes, yeah, and goes six eight and just blows the roof off the place. And and I think from that moment on, like you said, calf roping um started started getting the new to a new level. And in ninety-eight, you know, Cody had a huge lead and he won the first two rounds and he was I mean, literally that was when Cody Old see in ninety seven Cody Old won his first world title, but he had such a lead. He went from that that kid that wins the day monies everywhere and and um dang near won the world in 96 from just day monies to 97 he gets on a different horse of scott akamazos and he and he goes and ties 10 down but also a little a little trivia there too that's also the year fred broke his own average record at 84-1 um and 97 so so calf roping that year was amazing that was cody old's first world title and then to circle back in 98 is when he started to figure out, you know, I can hang it on him when the neck rope comes off and catch 10, and, and he won his second world title consecutively. Um, but, yeah, in 97, that was a great year of calf roping. Fred <clears throat> said it broke his own average record of 84 flat, I think, and uh, I was able to to trump that in 2013, which is still, when you tell me that or I think about that, it's, it's nearly unbelievable. Yeah, I, it's one of those events where – You'd sit and watch the rodeo kind of all with your body language is one thing. And I remember it, it, this is how I visualize it. The 
the bronc riding would end. It was always after the bronc riding. Yeah. Bronc mm-hmm. riding would end and everybody'd go. Yeah. So that's like probably- everybody in there scooted up and got ready. Yeah. yeah. That was probably the bronc riding era was probably Dan Mortensen, kind of Billy Etbauer, the three Etbauer brothers. Yep. I mean, Rod, was- yep. Rod Hay, Glenn Rod O'Neill, uh, all yeah. those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. When you look back, it's funny when you look back, it's more romantic and the names are bigger than we give ourselves credit. But you know, it's funny too, though, in in looking at you comparatively and a lot of guys, a Haven Medjid and, uh, um, the, you know, I don't know Riley as well. Shad's a a big guy. Hmm. Those were some big dudes. Like if you stood beside Fred Whitfield, Cody Ole's not tall, but he's, he's big. They were put together guys. And when you came along, you know, everybody said he's small. Uh, he's a smaller guy. Now you look across the board with tie-down ropers. It's up and down, but that big guy, there's not as many of those. Remember, Jerome Schneeberger was a horse, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, how is the is the style different or the calves different or the horses, horses different? What, it, what allowed you to be who you are at your size or is it just – your drive what is that well i mean i'd be i'd be um dumb to say that that the calves haven't changed uh since 1996 or 97 um as a whole but you know and that's what i've always said if ricky kenton's in this era how many gold buckles does he have yeah. you know what i mean i mean ricky kenton made the finals in the 80s and 90s and 240 pound calves uh during the year was tiny you know um <laughs> So, so I've always thought, man, if Ricky, if Ricky was in his prime now, I mean, he's got the world record still to this day, uh, you know, at Strathmore six, three. So how many, you know, it's just crazy to think about that. But yeah, I mean, for me, look, everybody said I was too small. If I made the finals, it'd be, you know, once in a blue moon type deal, stars had to line up. But for me, I think early on, I knew that I had to have an advantage and that was horsepower. And if I didn't have, great horses i wouldn't be able to hang with these guys because like you said i mean the first year i made it jerome was there fred was there i mean there was big guys and um joseph parsons i mean that's a that kid's huge you know and i just knew that if i was going to be here for an extended amount of time that horsepower had to be my number one priority and you know i think everybody knows about riata and how yeah i got him when i was in junior high and and rode him to the, you know, the high school finals, college finals, you know, seven or eight national finals and a world title. I mean, that horse, uh, I mean, obviously gave me more confidence than I ever thought I would get. And, but he also made it a, a stepping stone for me. I knew that if I didn't have something similar um, to compete on day in and day out, I, I wouldn't be at the top. And, and you know, um, after that, I figured out, hey, let's do all the little things right and horsemanship being at the top of them for me to be able to be at this position. I think, I think kids forget about horsemanship. I, I used to always give my girls, especially my oldest daughter, a little advantage that her horsemanship was so good. Um, but we see it speaking of horsepower, we see it now. I'll I'll go back and I reference my kids a lot because I've watched them like breakaway rope because there's a, there's a tie there, especially with you family wise, breakaway rope and tie down rope. And 
you know, she's the breakaway rope and took off in these rodeos in Montana and, and Shelby kind of quit entering the pro rodeos. Cause those girls got to go to all of them right now. I think they're going to lower the number, maybe little tiny circuit rodeos in Montana and roping against all of them. And she finally told me last summer, she said, dad, I'm not going to enter them all. Cause I'm riding my good, my little buckskin horse named Petey. And I just can't, he doesn't compare yeah. to them. So horsepower, it's really stepped up in everything. Well, yes, horsepower has, and this this breeding and this bloodline deal is just is just through the roof. And and but to go back when you said horsemanship is a little bit of a lost art, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, now you go to these junior opens, um, and they're open in a forty foot lane with a calf shoot, and you nod and ride, and you don't have to score, and you don't have to ride your horse. I mean, right. two elements of things that you have to be able to do at the professional level, you know, at some point. I mean, when you go to Reno, you're not nodding and riding and you're not in the 40-foot lane, you know, <laughs> no. know I mean? So I, I think that's a that's a big hindrance on some of these younger kids. And, look, they caught on fast, but you can see if there's a hole in any of these up-and-comers, it's at these summer rodeos when the barrier's two foot under, you got to sit there and see something. you got to ride your horse and set your run up. And, uh, I mean, to where now, I mean, these, to where it makes, it's also, you know, a good thing on their part when it gets to be a nine rides, you know, set up like Sioux Falls a couple of weeks ago and Shadwin's 39,000. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's no big deal, but I mean, I think once you grow as a roper and as a competitor and realize your holes and your flaws, um, it don't take long for them guys to catch on. Yeah. Uh, we used to talk about that, <clears throat> um, not to get way off in the weeds here, but when my girls were making the national high school finals, there was parents, there was people that, you know, Hey, what do you want to bring to the barbecue? Hey, we need to make signs. What are the games we're going to do? And they used to kind of get frustrated with me. Cause I didn't, uh, I said, we're not driving to rock Springs, Wyoming to play volleyball. Yeah. My kids want to go win. Well, these kids and, and I had parents actually come and say, do you really think we can compete with kids from Texas? Yeah. And I say, uh, actually, yeah. And, and that used to come up. My girls brought up, you know, a lot of their opens, they're in a lane, even the goat tying where everything's like this. And they always felt like you get to nationals and it balanced out a little bit. And my girls used to take pictures at rodeos in the snow and say, I remember them posting, Hey, Texas, we rodeo in the snow. We're tough. That was a big thing, but there's a balance you do your own thing. And when they, it's, it's kind of cool when they all come together, college finals, high school final, it really, there's factors that balance it out. Yeah, no doubt. No matter, you know, what you can do about it, you know, during the year, as far as your, your independent rodeos or whatever, as far as setups, once you get to that, that meeting place, whether it's the high school finals or the college finals, things seem to level out. Uh, Paige always wanted big goats. She always said, bring big goats. Cause she she knew she could, they, they tied big goats all year. Really? And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, would be, that would be a little change of pace at the college finals to see a big old red and white goat down there. At the end of, <laughs> end of the With big nuts hanging there. Yeah. <laughs> she got the college finals this year and the goats were smaller and she was, she wasn't very happy. She had to adjust because mm -hmm. they were smaller than normal. She still won, but yeah. I don't know if you caught that. I don't know if you saw the news, but the goat NATO rolled through. You know. Yeah, winners win, man. <laughs> um, uh, you 
Yeah, I was just thinking of like Haven Medjid, Mile City, Montana. Anybody that's ever been to Mile City, Montana knows Haven Medjid has dealt with some shit in trying to get to rope all year. So, yeah. I mean, that guy's a freak. He's a fierce competitor. You actually, you two remind me a little of each other. <clears throat> I've, I use different people uh, as I watch the standings through the end of the year. It used to be my reference was Lisa Lockhart forever, who, uh, Logan's brother just married her daughter, yeah. but because um, Lisa Lockhart didn't win all the time. I always say she Lisa Lockhart at them. She gets third. She gets fourth. She gets fifth. She, and at the end of the year, there she is. Haven Medjid is that way. He doesn't win all the time. He just wins money. Shane Hanchi is that way. All of a sudden we get to the end of the year. Uh, completely honest with you. I look and went, how the hell did Hanchi get to number four in the world going the NFR? You just got to, you really just got to pick a, a path and, and stick to your plan, don't you? Yes, for sure. I mean, I, I take that as a, as a compliment for sure that I kind of go under the radar and, and next thing you know, you look up and I'm in the top five. But I mean, honestly, my winner was shit, dude. I mean, I didn't win good at Houston. I didn't win good at San Antonio. I mean, I left the winner with 12,000. And I mean, that is nothing nowadays, but I also knew how much money there was to be one in the summer. I mean, man, this has gotten to where I won't go to a rodeo that adds less than 8,500. And that's, that's a God's honest truth. I mean, our limit's 80 and there's 80 rodeos that add 8,500 or more. And guess what? They're most of them are going to add 15,000 or more. So there's so much money to be won. It's almost like you just, just pace yourself and, and, understand where you're good at i mean i think that's what i've done now is i go to the rodeos that i've done good at in the past and i know the setup and i know what the calves are going to be like and and i'll be there you know and and hopefully i'll win but that's kind of more of of how i go about the summer and then you know you look up and and you've got it done but um this summer was really good for me flynn i i had a lot of great great weeks and uh you know, that new horse I bought before the NFR last year, I mean, everybody was wondering what the hell I was doing, paying that much money and then winning 12000 the NFR on it. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming they're eating some crow now, but maybe not. We'll just have to keep yeah. moving around. Yeah. Uh, that losing horses is tough, isn't it? I know. I remember a couple of years ago or whenever it was, and you were just coming off losing a horse. And I went, speaking of my family, we lost an old horse that had raised my kids. And then right after that, had a, one of their rope horses get injured and had to put him down one, one that they carried the flag across football stadium. I do not think rodeo people can get a bad rap from people who don't get rodeo about using horses. I will guarantee there's not a bond with a dog that lives in an apartment in a city anywhere or uh, any kind of animal than a cowboy with his good horse man that's hard to it's hard to bury him i know that yeah i mean we've got two three of the best ones sitting under our tree right back here you know one of them being the one taylor set the arena record on at the nfr um that we had to put down from an injury the other one is bam bam the one i won 160,000 on the nfr in 2019 and then you know tj uh of logan birds that i was on his back when when uh, you know he had a heart attack and um man 
it's like losing a family member, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and to go through what we've had to go through and um, with me and Taylor, I mean, luckily, I mean, we've been on about each other's sides going through it, but it still don't make it any easier. And um, I mean, yeah, that, that last one in 2021, you know, two weeks before the NFR going in with season lead and, and then, you know, hurting, hurting my ankle, cracking my ribs. That was, that was nothing compared to the, the heartache, you know? Um, But I mean, you just kind of got to move on and, and uh, keep on keeping on. And, you know, I found this bay horse and, and it's, it's been, it's been good. You know, that's one thing, like I told, you know, Tyler Milligan lost his good horse. Um, you know, been a been a few years, and, and he ain't really quite found one that he's. And I said, "Look, man, you're you're never gonna find big time. I mean, I'm never gonna find Bam Bam. I'm never gonna find TJ. That's something that I had to realize pretty quick that that they weren't out there. You know, they're they're under the tree, and and that's just part of life. But what you gotta find is something that is similar, but something that you can adjust to too." And I think that goes for anybody that's, that's, you know, lost a horse or, or trying to find the next one. Um, you're never going to find them. I mean, they're special. They're in your heart and they're, they'll always be there. But you, if you want to be a competitor, you've got to, you've got to understand you've got to adjust and, and overcome, you know, at the same time. Yeah. It's uh, I know I don't want to bury any more horses, but, <laughs> uh, but what, and then what tops it off is when a horse insurance company says you're scamming them and won't pay you. So, now look at you. How, is that not the common theme of there's some guy in New York sitting there making the decision? That's their game. That's what they do. That's how they make their yeah. money. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. Okay. Um, what about how's breakaway rope in business? Taylor, you're right, Taylor. She's a, is she the only one to ever make the NFR? in barrel yes. racing and breakaway rope. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really cool. You know, she yeah. made it uh, to the NFR in the barrel racing two, two years, you know, on bow and pretty much anytime she left all three barrel standing, she want to go around. I mean, you talked to her probably more than anybody. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you understand. Um, but yeah. And then to see her, I mean, literally we were, you know, we were quarantined over there at Dallas for the NFR and we were sitting in our condo and that's the first year of the NFR breakaway were happening so she tuned into the wrangler network and literally laying down on the couch she's like i think i want to make the nfr next year in the breakaway i'm like i mean you ain't roped you ain't roped in four years I mean, let's push the break let's make the let's make the cpra finals or the upra finals let's not like just jump out there and make the nfr she's like well we'll just see how it goes well she gets to the tour finale at selena that year and i'm like you got yourself a chance and sure as shit she she went in there 15th and that just goes <laughs> Show you what kind of competitor she is you know she yeah. is fierce and she does not like losing i'll tell you that well that's a good you're a good pair then who 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 hates losing worse her you or her oh that's a pretty tough question i'd probably have to say her I, i've learned i've learned in my 14 years <laughs> that i'm gonna lose at some point i just have to learn how to deal with it she she hasn't come quite got that far yet, yet. Is there a time frame? She tips a barrel. She misses a cap. Everybody has that. You got to give them this a certain amount of time. Is hers longer than normal? It's longer than mine for sure. (laughs) 
it, the the famous sports question do you when it comes to competing what do you more what's more or stronger feeling you love winning or you hate losing which oh, one hate, is hate losing for sure <clears throat> yeah that that's the con to me that's the overriding thing i think yeah. i think winners hate losing more than the reward of winning is not as great as the pain of losing does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um is you know i was I can't say I was surprised at what I'm going to talk about here because I know you pretty well. I had you both on my show in Vegas together and, and I brought up the breakaway roping and I said something about this big movement because it makes me rub my head because it goes on and on and on about breakaway roping needs to be in the performance at the NFR. It needs to be in Thomas and Mac instantly and you guys we were on the same page where we kind of said tap the brakes for a minute right just they they put breakaway open in, in pro rodeos and instantly everybody said bullshit it should be in the thomas and mac there's different sides to this isn't there yeah i mean taylor's a realist she understands you know um yeah there's a way there's a way different sides i mean don't really get me started on the whole breakaway drama and 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 all that i mean because you you, i mean you'll find some stuff out you don't want to know but yeah as far as as far as being at the nfr i I just think that the i do think there's two sides to it i do think we're at a point um broadcast wise where we probably don't need a time frame anymore exactly you're right on yes yes but at the same time i still do understand where LVE is and they want your ass back in the casino gambling mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, am I right or am I wrong? That That's exactly where they want you. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and another thing is that people don't understand. So, so that's more parking. That's more cash space. That's more, I mean, I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I'd, I'd, I'd be getting rocks thrown at me if, if breakaway heropers heard this and, and, you know, they, they should probably be in the NFR, but is there more to it than just showing up and, and roping? Unfortunately, and and that's I probably wouldn't have said that three years ago, but I've been the director in the cap roping for 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 three years now, and I understand the intricacies and all that other side of LVE and and Alan Reinheimer, who is the the NFR general manager. I understand what they have to go through on a day in and day out basis to a degree. To understand, hey, it's not quite that easy yet. Not quite. Yeah, and I think that's that's what we battle with when you and I have the conversation. We're both doing the same thing. We're kind of doing this saying, oh, somebody's somebody's going to say we hate breakaway roping. I have breakaway ropers. You know, I raised, helped raise two breakaway ropers. So, and you're married to a breakaway roper. But if a statement starts with how hard could it be, it's it's hard. And there's, there is, there's calf space, there's trailer space, all of that. And listen, the, the reality is the NFR is a, a business. Nobody is owed anything and they sell every ticket. It's full. And until here's what I think until that you go to the South point and that, that equestrian center is plumb full of people watching the breakaway finals. I think then they'll start to look at it. But there is, and it's not a required event yet, right? I mean, no, no. <clears throat> that's the other thing 
Hey, I was at the Canadian finals rodeo working the CFR the first year they had team roping at the CFR because it was not a required. It wasn't one of the mandatory events in Canada. And I'll never forget. They had six teams each night. They wouldn't even go all in. They said, "Eh, let's throw some in there. See how it works. So that's the thing is it's not even a a mandatory event in pro rodeo yet. So that's a cheaters. Yeah. And then not even, you know, at the CFR, not even close to equal money in the team roping either. They probably wrote for three or 4,000 a side. Yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're asking my opinion, and I've already said this a few times, if I was the breakaway ropers, knowing that it's probably still a long shot to get into the Thomas and Mac, you know where I'm going. I'm going over there to Mulvane, Kansas, and I'm having my NFR with the steer roping finals. Ooh. Because here's my deal. You, you got fans there. I think breakaway fans would travel there. So there you go with more ticket sales. And then to me, that is, they're already set up for production for the steer open. So, you know, now either, I don't know if the WPRA or the PRCA, whoever, but they have to pay for production for the South Point. They got to set all that up, pay them guys to be there to run the neck rope, run the cat, all that. Well, your production's already set up in Mulvane. It's there for the steer open, you know, and, and I get it that them girls would be like, well, we're not, we don't want to be a part of the steer open. And, and I'm like, well, what's your, what's your other option? If you could get more money over there and, and I would think Mulvane, you know, the casino would probably put in some more money. That's just an idea. I don't have it's an idea. Not, I mean, I'm not saying people were going to even like it, but it's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, and again, I like breakaway roping. I like the breakaway ropers. I like to watch it at the rodeo. I've once you once you know breakaway roping, you start to watch horses. Um, but I'm with you. You know where I like breakaway roping? I like it at Cheyenne when they got to let them run out there, and then you learn the girls who can ride a horse and put a horse where they need it and throw one out there instead of just two swings every time. I I like it when they they let them run out there and you learn who who the real ones are. I love that. You and me both, buddy. Yeah. My brother Will is is announcing the breakaway in Vegas. Oh, yeah. I That's just awesome. saw that. I love Will. He's my guy, man. Yeah. Are you uh when you go, are you one of the nice guys in the industry? You know, that's his thing. One of the yeah, nice- but he, he you know, we're he's a big sports guy too. He big he likes he likes to talk about, you know, my tigers and stuff. And for the Greeley short round, you know, LSU had just won the men's baseball world series and I was probably more pumped up for that than roping <laughs> in the group short round, but I happened to to win Greeley too. And on the victory lap, he, you know, he shouted out the men's college world series champion. So you can't get much by a Will, man. He, he, he stays pretty up to date. I think Will, Will's an interesting uh, announcer because he does get some pop culture references, some sports references. And a lot of us in the Western sports world don't care to, and, and don't have, Will knows good music. So if the music guy plays something, he steps out and lets it, lets it happen. Um, But those sports references, you and I have had this conversation for years, every interview or conversation, we talk about sports and we talk about the importance of understanding what's going on in the sports world. So we have our reference back to our world. There are comparisons that we can make, but there's some comparisons people try to make that don't fit. But I think that the, the one that, um, the, the one that I think of, and I'll tell you 
to not to call somebody out, but for a long time, Wayne Brooks used to reference when somebody became a million dollar cowboy. He's won a million dollars in his career. Will finally said, let's change the reference because people watching that have watched the NFL, that's embarrassing. That <laughs> So I think what are some other things? I, I just think it's good to be able to have that back and forth. Yeah, you got to understand the differences. I mean, that's just like, you know, he says, you know, Stetson Wright won 938,000 last year as a rodeo cowboy. I'm like, he's the only guy that can do that. Mm-hmm. Us other guys are hoping to win a couple hundred thousand. Like, let's not paint the picture wrong here. Like, he is literally the only guy that can win 900,000. Hell, he might win a million this year. I mean, he's just a freak. I mean, you can't compare Stetson Wright to, to your 14th place tie down roper after the NFR. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I trust coach Brian Kelly, the LSU tiger, LSU football coach. I, he rubs me weird and I know he's a good coach, but man, they should be, should they be better? Let's talk. Let's talk. You got your LSU shirt on. What do you think? Yes. I mean, for what he's done on the offensive side of the ball, I think, um, you know, when you compare it to the last miles area era, to the toss dives and the and the halfbacks and the fullback dives. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, we've got Jaden Daniels to where the why Jaden Daniels ain't in the Heisman talk is 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 absurd to me because he's putting up better numbers than Caleb Williams. Uh-huh. I mean, if you compare them, they're better. And I know the Pac-12's got a lot of good quarterbacks and and this and that, but but to not be putting Jaden Daniels in the Heisman talk, I mean, I seen something yesterday. There's been like four Heisman winning quarterbacks that's had two or three losses, um, you know, with their team. So don't tell me that, you know, they've already got two losses. That's why he's not in the, in the race. The reason they've got two losses is because the defense has been terrible. I mean, uh, for LSU to be claiming as DBU as they are, I mean, we've had number one draft picks yeah. first, you know, forever. I think that's what Brian Kelly hasn't necessarily figured out yet um i like brian kelly i i should say i want to like brian kelly um i I mean he says all the right things and i think he brings some and i've told you i think he brings some stability to the program Mm -hmm. toward look at ed oh coach oh at one point was bringing girlfriends into practice and letting them watch i mean it was it was a a three yeah it was a three ring circus and i mean uh for him for brian to step in year one and overachieved by, by winning the SEC West. Um, sure gave us a lot of hope for this year. And then, you know, we give up big-time losses to Florida State, who who I still think is is a top-five program. I think Florida State's good. good. Yeah, they're good. I think they're really good. I think yeah. uh, the transfer portal for them guys, I mean, that Keon Coleman, number four, that wide receiver, he's going to be a first-rounder. And he's from Louisiana. He's from Opelousas, Louisiana. But never wanted to go to LSU. Never wanted to stay in state. Um, anyways, Flint, I could talk to you all day about. Oh, I know. Football. I know. It's. Uh, I'm a football guy. You know, people always say. I but it was asked twice on Sunday. I was finally home on a Sunday, and, and who's your team? I just like football. You know, I just you know college, LSU, Louisiana is crazy. With, I would love to go to a game day. Uh at an LSU game, just to experience start at seven in the morning and walk around, just do everything. And I'd probably be plastered by game time. 
of course, but it's well, uh, it's a part of, it's a part of the culture there, not just sports culture. It's a part of the everyday culture down there. Yeah. I mean, Scott Manpel, I mean, me and you are huge fans of him. He's went on record a few times saying the greatest atmosphere in sports bar none is not game seven of the world series. It, it is, it is a night game in tiger stadium. I mean, mm-hmm. It just doesn't get any better than that. And then, you know, especially when you have an opponent like Alabama come in or, you know, uh, Texas A&M November 25th. Or, I mean, I'm going. It's a night game. All you got to do is fly in. I got you a seat. I mean, you just, uh, <laughs> I'll look at the schedule. I'll look at and, So, uh, yeah, you've got good tickets, I promise. But but in, in turn, smaller scale, amazing energy you got to come to a Montana state game. The two, the two best atmospheres in FCS that level down are the university of Montana. They have the nicest stadium in SVS and Montana state. It's crazy. Hanch. It's so fun. I would be willing to go like November 1st and <laughs> before. I don't think I could do what y'all did at game day. I'm not cut out for that weather. Hey, it, okay. We'll have that discussion game the college game day and i thought it was a uh, I, I never believed through the whole conversation hey did you hear montana state's on the short list for game day i said no nope. you who was the big pac-12 game usc and oregon USC, wasn't it or yeah and oregon and one of them lost and i'm sitting i was in bozeman i was with my girls on sunday night and they're like holy did you see this they're coming and I had done a video to, you know, and I thought we did it, uh, it, whatever. That was crazy, but that was our first real blast of cold air. November 18th, that morning, it, when I got there, I had to be there at 6 30 AM. That's it was dark eight below zero. No, uh, that's brutal. They cracked out Lee Corso. I thought he was going to die. <laughs> I can't believe he went, honestly. But I mean, if you see game day, they're in Parker, they're in Parkas, they got their gloves on. I mean, I, yeah, I can only imagine them sit up there for three hours. That's when you that's when you make your money. Yeah. For that. Yeah, and their heater, their their generators had quit in the night, and so they had to take some of the heaters and put it on the equipment. So they didn't have all the heaters on them. They thought they were gonna have Herb Street's feet were frozen. Not me. Oh, wow. I was out I stayed the whole time. I did one little segment and I yeah. just wanted to watch the production of it. I was back was hanging out with David Pollock in the back and it was cool. But you call me two days, two days before uh game day, you call me, tell the people why you called me in the reference there about that. Yeah. 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 Well, Pat, um, the re- I mean, it comes down to, you know, COVID and uh, they were doing their show and, you know, their main guy uh, kind of on the side that does, you know, all the stats and stuff, his name's Tone Diggs. And anyways, he had survived COVID, come out of the COVID cave, and then he they started calling him the COVID cowboy, but he was wearing this god-awful felt hat. And so I just I hit up Tone on Instagram and said, hey, man, can we please – can American hat please send you a better looking hat if you're gonna if you're gonna go with this COVID cowboy deal for Pat McAfee right for McAfee yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well for for the show yeah and uh, and so I sent it to him and then when I sent it to him he 
Pat caught on. And I mean, next thing you know, they're talking about me on the show, this and that. Fast forward to, you know, game day going to, to Montana. And I'm like, man, we, we got to send, we got to send McAfee a buckle or something. Cause he was wearing this God awful buckle. He bought it Northside. He went to the stockyards, went into, you know, one of them booths, one of them stores, bought a big belt buckle. That big Texas long one. Yeah. With Bevo on the front. Yeah. And, and I'm like, man, you can't do that. And so I seen the buckle. He FaceTimed me. He's like, hey, you got to tell me all about this buckle. Really, in hindsight, I probably should have sent him a better one. But I sent him the Pinocchio Stampede one from last summer. And I said, look, we're, you know, right up there in Pinocchio, Alberta. Told him about all that. He wore it. He went to the practice with Kyle Whitaker and the team. He shoot dogged one. I mean, this guy is just – he's been everywhere as of the last year. They've got <laughs> everywhere. For a good reason, he is just sheer and sheer in entertainment, and we've kind of developed a friendship. You know, he'll follow me on Instagram. He'll like my posts from the rodeos and stuff. And um, and then another quick story at the Reno Tahoe Open at the at the big pro am. One of my buddies that works for the, he's been interviewing me at Reno every year. He works for the news station at Reno. He caught up with Pat and said, Hey, we got a mutual friend. And I mean, they hit it off for three minutes talking about me. And, and how I saw that. Did. I saw yeah. that. <laughs> and then, yeah. I showed you, I think I showed you at Ellensburg. Yeah. Yeah. And Pat, so Pat kind of said, look, I'm, I'm not a real cowboy, but, but them guys, they are, they are through and through. Anyways, it's, it's really cool to be even in uh, contact with Pat, what he's done and his, his podcast is, is blown up, man. Yeah. So, so that morning, uh, I knew he'd be wearing your buckle. So I kind of, they wanted me to dress a certain way. They had a cartoon rodeo clown in mind. And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm going to wear some Google me. I'm going to put on some Montana state stuff. They finally said, okay, we see what your vibe is here. But I did something I never do. I wore with the blue kind of Bobcat sweats. I wore my belt with one of my gold buckles on it. Yeah. And so they're doing a segment off to the side when they came on. Cause you don't really get to talk to them. They're back and forth. So Herb street walks by does what they all walk by and McAfee walks right here. And I said, I just said to him out of the blue, I said, Hey, is Hanchy's buckle working? Okay. For you today. Got Hanchy's buckle on. And he looked at me and he said, he pointed, he goes, who are you? And I had my stuff on. I said, I'm Flint Rasmussen. And I showed him my gold buckle. And I said, Pinocchio stampede and he he stood there and he's like i'm glad you're here the country needs to know a great rodeo clown he, he just went off on me oh yeah but he was so thrilled that i made i knew you and the buckle oh yeah it was cool it didn't warm me it didn't warm us up any but it was cool for a second um did you did you see my bit though you had one job bit on game day that day did you watch that day? And yeah, uh, yeah. so they're trying to invent something for me to do. And I'm telling you this because I think you'll be proud of me. They're trying to invent something. They said, do you lasso? Oh, yeah. and, they, and I said, you mean rope? A little bit. Oh, and they kind of do the show as they go. Like, yeah. and the lady is like, we want you to, to rope something at the end. It'll be your one job. I was on the, you had one job say. And I said, what about the? University of Montana mascot that they let the other mascot there. He'll walk by and I'll pull him in. Well, they wouldn't let me do that. Cause that looks bad. Uh -huh. ESPN ESPN, you know, yeah, exactly. 
Well, they had a mechanical bull back there with a big, with inflatable horns. They said, I said, how about I rope that? So I go during commercials and I'm practicing and it's spinning and the horns are do this. Can't catch it. And I'm not that great. Can't catch it. So we come live on game day and Flint, you have one job. And my girls gave me a good rope. They were standing off in the corner Pollock throws it to me and I take two swings and I mean, slick horn this. So when I throw the rope and gritty and do a snow angel, it was sincere, like excitement. Cause you caught it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, long story, it. long story, but it was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you, uh, I want to go back to something because it came up in a conversation with Sage Kimsey a couple weeks ago with me and we brought up Cheyenne and all the money in rodeos. And there's all these rodeos now that have these tournament style formats are way different because everybody thought trying to keep up with who's roped one, who's roped two, the aggregate, the short round was too confusing. And like Sage said, you know, he's got to go to a certain number of rodeos to activate those extreme bulls points. But what's not taken into consideration is if you go to Cheyenne, you're going to get on four bulls, but it's only one rodeo. Mm-hmm. It There's been some say, yes, there's more money to win. Some people say it's spread too thin and money's gone down. What about all the, he's in the finals, he's in the super round, he's in the this. What about tournament rodeos? Has it done anything to help or hurt what we're doing? Well, I think there's two tournament formats that work, and that's San Antonio and Houston. Okay. And we can still go off on vendors on Houston on, on it's been paying 50000 since 2007, but we'll, we'll just let that rest for now. Because second, <laughs> third, and fourth, I will say second, third, and fourth is paying better. Okay. And that's what we would like to get to is, is more of a level. So, but you're talking about Denver, Fort Worth, Cheyenne, them tournament formats, they don't add enough money. They don't add enough money. You've got to add at least, at least a million dollars for your purse for me to even consider a tournament format. And, and Cheyenne don't do that. And Fort Worth don't do that. And we know, you know, um, Cheyenne, Fort Worth, and Denver don't even come close to it. So my deal is the tournament formats at them rodeos are hurting it. You're you're winning less money. I won Denver twice, and I hate to be that guy. I won Denver. No, I won yeah. Denver and won fifteen thousand both times. The guy that won Denver this year won six thousand dollars. So yeah. you're you can't tell me it's better. Now, so, go ahead. More money, more people have probably won more money this year than when I won it, you know, in the previous couple of years. But if we're putting comparing apples to apples, that's a nine thousand dollar difference. That ain't that ain't better. Yeah, and for but it, I'll try to explain for people watching that don't quite get it. So the format changed where you move on, you know, I've been to Cheyenne. Well, here's this performance and the top four move on to the next round. So what they've done is they haven't cut them. People would say, well, they've cut the money. They haven't cut the money. They changed the format and the bag of money's the same. And now it does this. Yeah. They split it up. Yeah. They split the money up. And, and, you know, Cheyenne is, is a perfect example. They, they said that, 
they wanted there to be a winner each performance to where, you know, Garrett could announce, hey, here's Shane Hanchy. He's the last roper. He's got to be 12-4 to make the semifinals. And then I go 11-3, and then the crowd goes wild. That's fine and dandy. I understand yeah. you want the crowd to be. But we've been, to me, if you look at Pendleton and you look at Reno, two of the best rodeos of the year, and they're traditional two and a short for us. And I don't know how the rough stock riders feel, but I know the time event guys feel like, look at Reno and look at Pendleton and tell me you need to change your formats because you don't. Yeah. People follow it just fine. The crowd's into it. They're sold out. I mean, so, so for us, it's just hard for us to grasp, you know, unless, like I said, Houston or, or San Antonio, they, they add, they add enough money for the tournament formats to work. And if you don't add that to me, you just need to be a regular, regular format. Mm. Yeah. And I love, you know, all those rodeos, Denver, Cheyenne, I worked them and I love those rodeos. It just, if you have the, that bold move to change your entire rodeo format, you need to have the bold move to, to make the bag bigger. If you're yeah. going to spread it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point though. You made about, about Denver, more people won money there, but in yeah. the long run, does that serve everyone? Well, yeah. It, it, I never thought about it because yeah, Sage brought it up about he's mountain bulls out with a broken collarbone. So to activate his money and he said, it's an out, he told me it's an outdated rule. I said, well, why is it outdated? He said, because one, you know, Cheyenne counts as just Cheyenne and you're getting on four or five bulls and it, it was a good. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And then, you know, the same with the bareback. I mean, I mean, we know Casey filled 16th now because his, his rigging rally money didn't count. You know, he didn't get to enough rodeos. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, them guys go to Cheyenne and the bareback and they get on four horses. I mean, they could have went yeah. down, go to three different rodeos and that count for their count. You know what I mean? I, the bareback, <laughs> and I misspoke a few weeks ago <laughs> that I didn't know that was a rule in the bareback ride because there's not near as many opportunities as like Extreme Bulls Tour. The bareback riding has a few of them, but nothing like the extreme bulls tour yet. They have the same rodeo, the same count to live up to as the bull riders. I, I don't yeah. agree with it. I, I don't get that neither. It should be, it should be however many ring rallies you got. There should be an X number of rodeos you have to go to. It shouldn't be automatically like the, the extreme bulls. Yeah. Some, some kind of formula where mm -hmm. if there's, where there's four of them, Cause who knows? I, I don't know how many there are, but you know, Casey field, who's he anyway, right? He's not good enough to be at the NMR, right? Yeah. He's only the best of all time. The greatest bareback rider of all time. Can we, yeah. can we agree on that? One thousand percent. You, you, you won't even catch me saying anybody different. Yeah. Me too. I've said it the last few years. He had a di for a while. Casey field was operating in a different gear than everyone else just completely different and then what's even more remarkable about that is you know the era year and then not and then coming back the year after and not winning as much as he probably should have and then bouncing back and winning maybe two gold buckles since all yeah. that yeah. is what's really i mean he's he's a beast man he he he's the greatest and a cool dude great guy oh, i love being best. around that guy he's the so best. awesome okay i gotta do this somebody Somebody told me on the phone last night 
a good friend of mine, my good friend, Brad Narducci. You might know Brad he does music oh, yeah. and oh yeah. oh yeah. He said, Hey yeah. man, you gotta, you gotta ask him, uh, ask Shane about his song that nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up that he said, why that song that's from Brad. If you want me to ask you that? Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. That's a great question. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, since we have not Benji this year, but Hambone at the NFR, I'm hoping Hambone gets that memo because he hasn't really, but I don't know. That was just when that song was popular. Um, I, I, I just liked it. The kind of the way, you know, nothing can stop me. And then the music, I thought that was really cool. And and so I got ben, uh, Benji to play it that one year at the NFR, maybe 17 or 18. Cooper Davis was getting it played for him at yeah. the PPR events. And uh, me and Cooper are good buddies. You know, I've grown up about 70 miles from him. And um, so so when Cooper was getting it played at the PBR finals and I got it played at the NFR, I don't know, it just kind of stuck with me. I, I even told ben, uh, Benji, I said, hey, if we need to change it, he said, we're not changing that song. He said, that's your song. And people were going to know that you out in the box when that song plays. And I thought, oh. I said, hey, let's let's roll with it. I think that's cool, you know. And uh, it's it's a catchy song. I mean, nothing really other than, you know, the the kind of vibe it creates when you walk into the back of that box and the Thomas and Mac and, and them lights are so bright. You know, I just think it's it's it has a little bit of a, of a feel to it. Got it. Everybody's got to have a good walk up song, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, we're talking about you know, you know, correlating all this to other sports. I mean, mm-hmm. the walk-up songs for the baseball players, I mean, that, that, that yeah. gets, I mean, at Minute Maid Park, you know, I think uh, Jordan Alvarez had, had a Paul Wall song guy. It was still tipping. And, and so we went over there this summer because, you know, me and Alex are good friends. So I went and watched a few games and there'll be 30,000 fans in there at a regular season game. And when he walks up and that Paul Wall song comes on, because he's a Houston rapper, this whole place just goes berserk. I mean, we're in the third <laughs> inning of, we're in the third inning of a zero-zero game, and his walk-up song just sparks the whole crowd. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, we did it in the in JB Mooney's glory days in the PBR, wow. and rodeo announcers would sweat at having withdrawals. But to their credit, uh, Clint Atkins, Brandon Bates. Uh, that music hit, they just set their microphones down. They, you know, they're, you don't need to talk all the time. And no, they, they, they know who's, who's about to slide up on more. Yeah. And, bad starts playing. Yeah. and they'd pause. I'd watch them and they'd do this to music guy, Mark, or whoever was there. They'd do this and just let it kind of go quiet, awkward silence, and then do that. And then it hit and they just, nothing needed to be said. It was so, you know, so I, I know it's probably about time, but I got a question for you. Okay. What do you think of the team deal? I mean, do you think two questions? Do you think do you like the team aspect? I think it's growing. I haven't watched enough of it to know, but I think it's growing. I think it's probably pretty cool. Second question, do you think that would ever work in rodeo? Oh, you're asking me this on air, aren't you? Um it's been tried in rodeo. Remember I, the the Winston oh, tour? The Winston Cup tour, yep, I remember. Um but that, that was in the eighties. I mean, I'm saying now with, you know, with some financial backing and, and true production, they had some issues back in the, the eighties with people scamming their tickets and, um, yeah, it would take some thought in, in rodeo. And I think 
a, a tour to not to replace rodeo, but at a time of year where you could do it, but still have your normal, um, you know, the normal rodeo season. But even if you gave it a try, do a three city series with, uh, I'd have put some thought into how many, like if you had four teams, two in each event, uh, you know, something like that. Is that, I'd have put some thought into it. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious. What do you, I mean, with you seeing what the PBR teams has done, do you think that there's a possibility and avenue to the rodeo industry for that? Um, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the factor in the team's bull riding that a lot of people miss that I think is the most, the biggest benefit. And, and I don't think this is, uh, talked about, well, it's talked about, but people don't want to hear it, but it finally young guys are getting help from, I mean, here's a, you know, 18 year old, uh, Caden loud from Texas is on the Nashville team with Justin McBride as a coach and Silvano Alves as kind of their go-to guy. And look what he's learning. Now, when the regular season starts, if he, maybe that makes him better mentally, it's creating an atmosphere where you have legends of the sport actually helping young guys, because that's kind of been unheard of. I mean, you, you Jay, Cody Lambert will help anybody that shows up at, at his house. And now he's a coach and those guys, they're so good. And they're a bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of. And so I think that's the biggest thing we're getting is there's some actual coaching and training going on, you know, that's, yeah, that's a great, I mean, people ask me all the time. I, I rode here with Cody O in 2012. They said, well, what all did you learn from this? I learned so much, but the most I learned from it was not even out of his mouth at all. It was watching how he took care of his ropes, where he put his strings, how good his ropes always felt. It was stuff like that, that that kid's probably watching Silvano and catching and doing stuff that Silvano has done through his career to make him a three-time world champion right. to get to that level. I think that's a, a, a great point. And, and yeah, I don't think the outside fan can see that, but what that kid is getting, he should be taking advantage of, should be monumental for his career. Yeah. Anyway, it's, those are, I think there's little things people don't see and, and that mentoring and that giving them a place they're getting on practice bulls there, you know, is the riding percentage much higher? Not really. Um, but they're, man, let me tell you what those guys are getting on. Holy crap. <laughs> it's, they're, they're the, the, the bull breeding programs better than the cowboy breeding program. right now. <laughs> so, um, but that's interesting to now turn it around and go, okay, could we do the team rodeo thing? I don't know. It's uh, I think it could be try it for a few weeks, make a little month long. We're going to go to four different cities. Hell you could have, you know, it's a lot. I don't know if you could go two in each event, four teams, but then you got to have sponsors for the team. You know, PBR has gone to the point there's team owners, you know, they own the team. So, and then, and they don't affiliate with sponsors. They affiliate with a city. So it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting. It, it's interesting to watch. I, I will say those team events, uh, for people who watch them on TV, it's good on TV, but they are really, really good live because of the visual. Uh, you don't, you get the graphics. There's two sets of shoots. They buck one there and then one there and then one, and the, the scores are up. It, it's way different live, like a lot of events are. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. Another request for my friend, Brad, because every bull rider on here, because everybody asks us in bull riding, who's the greatest bull rider you ever saw? Who's the best bull rider? And it's hard or the best four. Okay. You're a calf roper. Mount Rushmore. What's on Mount Rushmore Four. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot and off the top of your head, the greatest four tie down ropers. You got to exclude yourself. Your world. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't be in the top. Yeah. Yeah. Greatest, I, greatest four rodeo tie down ropers of all time. Mount Rushmore by Shane Hanchy. Yeah. So one, a one B is Cody and Fred. And, and I think, uh, I mean, I'm going to go with, with uh, Roy and Joe as three and four. Um, I could, I could put Trevor. I think Trevor is my alternate. And I think you got to put Caleb Schmidt up there. People yeah. don't understand that that guy, what he's won. And so, but yeah, so I think Cody and Fred, Joe and Roy, I mean, to me, um, is my Mount Rushmore of, 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 of top four of all time, mainly because Roy and Joe evolved the sport. Exactly. You know, yeah. For us. For, and, then, and then Cody and Fred stepped in there. And I mean, we could argue all day who's better, Fred or Cody. I, I'm, I'm not one to say. I think they've both done enough to, to be considered greatest of all time. But um, that's yeah. my four. Pretty easy I, question. I think it's easier in Capro. Fred Whitfield, yeah. Cody Ole, Joe Beaver, Roy Cooper. Roy, I agree. Roy Cooper just changed the face of it. Come, yeah. You look at the era before Roy Cooper, then what he did, then everybody did that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Roy was kind of in seven when the guys were kind of in 10, nine or yeah. 10, you know, from, from what I hear. And, and I just feel like he's got to be on there. Yep. Man, Caleb Smith's so good and doesn't say shit. <laughs> like he's oh, just... yeah, he don't even want to. He just he'll do that with your rope, with his rope. He's been doing that since he's been ten years old to us. I've known him my whole life. I know how yeah. he is. He's a silent killer, man. I like that guy. I like that guy. Listen, we've covered roping, bull riding, football. I think we've got it all, man. Hey, oh, one more thing. Oh, you want to do it as part of the show? Or when oh at the end I gotta have it. Um anyway, um I appreciate you, man. Always. Uh forward to this, man. You were on my whiteboard of people to have on this show for a long time. And now that uh, you're headed to that 14th consecutive NFR, I said let's talk to Hanchi and we can talk some football and always fun. I it's always good to run into you and it just uh I always appreciate you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. You bet.